You are now listening to The Jason D'Amico Show. Greetings, folks. Welcome back to The Jason D'Amico Show. We are here coming at you pre-recorded live, as I haven't really said before, but just thinking about it. Because everybody asked me, you know, is this live? Are we going live? No, we're not. It's pre-recorded. Uh, and usually a week or two behind because we've had so many folks on. Really talented guests. And uh, we got a really special guest for you, as always, on the show today. Um, our guest is a singer-songwriter from Charlotte, North Carolina. A pianist and ukulele player with a unique voice. He tells stories through his songs. And his debut EP, This Is How It Starts, was released on February 1st, 2019. And as of today, the songs off of This Is How It Starts have garnered over 200,000 streams on Spotify. His latest single, Just Tonight, was released on December 27th of 2019. And that we've, we've got some really great ground to cover. Really unique sound, really unique artist. Please welcome to the show my new good friend, Mr. Kevin Goodwin. Jason, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Good to be here, my friend. Good, good to be seen. And uh, let's just let's just get into your beginning stages. We were talking a little bit before we went live um, about a bunch of things, but we didn't really get into how you started out, which is great because it'll be spontaneous and and fresh uh, in yeah. conversation. But yeah, how did it start, man? Because you've you've got a, a really unique sound. Love to hear kind of about their earlier years for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, for me, it kind of started um, when I was about seven. I uh, basically my grandmother bought my family a baby Wurlitzer, baby grand Wurlitzer piano, which cool. is beautiful. And um, it just kind of sat around the house because no one in my family really played. My mom dabbles and she was the only <laughs> only family member who really even touched it. So it mostly just sat there. And I'd always loved music. I'd always just really been into it from a young age just because my parents were and they always played it. So it was a big part of life for me. But um, my dad would go around singing songs, you know, his, his best rendition of like 70s, 80s, 60s songs. Uh, one night he was going around singing Lean On Me by Bill Withers. Rest yeah. Yeah. Soul. Um, yeah, recently, yeah. Yeah, sad, sad, man. Because that's, that's, that song was kind of where it started for me because I heard my dad going around singing it and I love that song. So I sat down at piano without, you know, the piano without ever having really played before and just started playing it and I could just play it. I could wow. hear it and I could play it. So I, I could play by ear, which I discovered right away. And, you know, by the end of the night, a couple minutes later, I was playing the whole song. And so I was like, wow, this is just instantaneously for me. I felt the connection to it that I'd never felt with anything in my life where it was just like, this really makes sense to me. And I really feel this and just felt this instant passion for it. So that's, that's how it started for me. And, you know, later on, I ended up, uh, getting into writing my own songs. You know, first I started playing by ear. I'd figured out, you know, like Star Wars theme song and all the, <laughs> all my favorite bops as a kid. But, um, then a couple of years later, I started taking lessons and, uh, I had a great mentor who used to put on recitals for his students. And so I asked him one time if I could play an original instrumental piece that I'd written and I got up and played it at the recital. And afterwards, a lot of people came up to me, a lot of the other students' parents and stuff, and people were just told me they were really impressed and it really connected with them. And that was such an exciting thing for me to see something that I had written, uh, you know, have a visible impression on people. And that I just, I was addicted to it after that. I was like, this is 100%. I knew 
at that point, like, this is what I want to do. I want to write songs and connect with people that way because it was just the most uh, gratifying thing I'd ever done. So, For sure, man. So piano started out first then for you? Yeah, definitely. I was way too self-conscious to sing. I was a very, <laughs> I was a very shy kid. And originally when I was like, you know, started off writing songs, I was like, I'm definitely going to write these songs and I want to be a songwriter, but I'll hand them off to somebody else to sing because I didn't have enough confidence to get up and sing. But when I was about 14, I really pushed myself to get out there and really learn. And, you know, I was not a great singer when I started out. So I really had to work hard to become decent. So I, I worked, you know, just for like we were talking about earlier, you know, slaved for hours and hours and hours every day singing, just trying to learn and get better and eventually got comfortable enough with my own voice and happy enough where I was like, you know, I, I can sing them. I'm just going to go and sing my own songs. So I figured I'd do the whole thing. Right. Um, sorry, I'm trying to bring up your yeah. YouTube here because I've, Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I I was drawing a blank there. Now, um your vocal on just tonight uh, is is great. And I mean I love I lo from what I've heard thus far, great vocal. I mean, just great oh, high tenor voice, like awesome. You know. How did how did that come as far? I mean, it's obviously your natural range, but the timbre, who were some of your major influences when you started singing? How did that journey happen for you? Yeah. So there's kind of like, I feel like, and this, this might be applicable to a lot of other people. I'm not sure, but I kind of feel like I have two schools. I have what, you know, originally got me into music, which was like the stuff I was exposed to as a kid via my parents. Like, you know, you got the Eagles and Queen and bands right. like Bob Seger and stuff. But then as I got older, you know, in my formative years, I think as a musician, a lot of times in middle school and high school, I think that's kind of where you kind of pick up on the influences that really shape who you're going to be as an artist in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. And for me, those bands were like, uh, John Mayer was a huge influence on the way yeah, I sang. I, no. I love Jack's mannequin is another one. Andrew McMahon, Jack's mannequin was a huge band of mine that I was really big into as a, as a high schooler. And even some of the, even some of the more pop punk bands like my chemical romance and stuff like that. So those are the things that really influenced me a lot. It was kind of that alternative right. in emo sound a little bit, but still song oriented, obviously. Cause those, you know, they were, they were alternative, but were they really, because the song, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the songs, it's kind of the same thing with like green day. Cause we always yeah. get green day. Oh. Yeah, Green Day will show up on the show a lot because Green and I, I actually I think it was on the Tommy Models episode. Uh, I said Green Day to me, to me, is the '90s Beatles or the early 2000s Beatles, and people get kind of like ooh, they get a little little squirmy when I say that because it's like yo, now we're like really putting trying to get Green Day on a pedestal, but. You listen to those songs, man. I mean, damn, man. Like, the songwriting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, I, I completely agree. Because it's funny that you mentioned Green Day because my favorite record throughout high school was, <laughs> you know, the entire... American Idiot? Yeah. Yep, absolutely, yeah. dude. The, the whole operatic thing, it was so cool. And I just listened to that album back and, you know, from front to back so many times. It's so well done. 
such a great record. Yeah. And there were so many great songs by them. And so I don't, I don't think it is like putting them too high to say that because as much influence as anyone could have in the, you know, nineties and early two thousands, they had it. They were, you know, they were such a big influence on probably most people who grew up in that era. And they certainly were for me. So. It's one of those records where every, I don't, I can't think of a song that just isn't great. I mean, every yeah. song is, is a hit in itself. Definitely. So, the, okay, so those are some of the main influences then. What about songwriting for you? Same or was a little, I don't know, did you dabble a little bit more in other areas? Uh, I feel like I probably did. So I, ha I went through, you know, when I was in that, uh, in that high school, middle school phase, I listened to some bands that were definitely nothing like the music I write, which is like, you know, I was listening to like screamo bands and right. some metal bands stuff like that. Right. And I doubt that I was not good at writing that stuff. So <laughs> I learned very quickly, like what my strength was as a songwriter. And it was like pop rock music. I was like, this yeah. is really me as a person, even though I like listening to other genres of music, that's the genre that for me connects the most. And I definitely, as a songwriter feel is my avenue. So what's your creative process as far as, uh, how you go about writing and, you know, where does it start for you? Is it more, and this, this, I ask everybody this question, but yeah. how does it, how does it start? Is it more music than lyrics? Definitely. Um, okay. it's, it's a weird thing for me, man. I, uh, some people, I know some songwriters that just seem like they can sit down and write. And that is so cool to me because I wish I could do that. I can't. It like, it just hits me at certain times. I have, you know, just a, a moment and it's usually 3 a.m. in the morning when I'm trying to sleep and can't. <laughs> That's right. when the majority of my songs have been written. Something just, I get a melody in my head or a lyrical phrase. So sometimes it's music, sometimes it's lyrics first. Usually it's music first for me. But um, a lot of times it just hits me and I've just feel it and I'm like I gotta go write a song right that's now it. and that's, that's when it happens for me so you know I it's not like I'm constantly writing I wish I was because I've tried to force it before but I just can't force it man I've uh I've tried that and it's it's a hard thing for me so I kind of just got to be feeling it got to be in the zone for whatever reason and uh so for me it's always something that kind of just hits me in that moment and I go and write it and usually the song is written and finished within three hours for me and if it's not it usually doesn't get finished because <laughs> right. I try to get right. back to it and write it later. But basically when I, you know, I've, I've before, when I get caught in the songwriting process, I basically cancel whatever else I got going on that day. If it is like, there's been before days where I've had a, uh, I've had to, like, I remember I was in college and I just didn't go to class one day because I was started writing a song and I was like, well, if I don't finish it now, yeah, I'm you gotta, you gotta catch it while it's there. And I'm glad I did because that's one of my favorite songs that I've written. So I stuck around for a couple hours. It's good, man. Knocked it out, but you know, it's a, for me it's those things where I've got to capture it when it hits me. No matter where I am, if I got a song idea, I just got to go finish it right then. And that's you know, so for me, it's kind of a sporadic thing. I don't, I don't write songs, but every couple of months, every couple of months, I get lucky and the song wow. idea head, and that's wow. that's it. Then I finish it. But um, it's a very spaced out process for me, which is kind of odd. We're, we're, we're very similar. Um, I, and I, I'll talk about me only because I, th I think it's somewhat relevant. Yeah. It's not, you know, I, I really like keeping it about the guests on the show. Um, but yes, I really identify with that. And I've lately, I mean, dude, the shower 
It's just been, I mean, it's, it's bad, man. Like I, I literally have to like dry my hands, you know, reach over, get my phone, get the voice memo app. And I'm just, I mean, I'm babbling like an idiot because, but I'm hearing, you know, I hear when I write, I hear everything at once. I already know what I want. What if I have, you know, things just like come to me and, uh, stupid dude. Like I was tracking a drum track today that, uh, I wrote this song a couple of days ago. And the thing wrote itself in, I don't know, two minutes, like the whole thing. And the thing's more yeah. than two minutes long. That's what I don't understand. Like, I already knew what the verse was. I already knew what the chorus <laughs> was. And I was like, all right, we'll just do this as the core, as the, uh, the, the guitar solo change, you know, chord changes for that area. And then, yeah, we just repeat the chorus twice. Very basic, primitive stuff. But it's like, dude, I'm digging this right now. So you got to catch it when it's there. I'm, I'm the same way. Like I can sit down and it's like, all right, well, anytime I sit down, it's like, oh, I'm going to write. Nothing ever happens. Exactly. <laughs> if you're, if you're practicing and you're just going through scales and a lot of times I've said this for years when I'm doing stuff and I just make a mistake with like scales, it's always the things that I don't like, I haven't heard myself play before. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. Let's see where that goes. And it turns into something. Or it's just, you know, in the shower and I have to get it on the voice memo app and I'm, you know, screaming yeah. and screeching like an idiot. Yeah, I completely get that because I feel the same. I feel like the same way, you know, it's kind of like, I feel like it's a gift. Songs are a gift. When it, yes. <laughs> when it hits me, I'm like, I cannot, you know, I feel like it would be wrong to turn it down. I just got to go and get it finished because I feel, and I see it the same way you just described where I can hear everything. When I'm doing the song, I can hear the guitar and the drums, even though it's just me at a piano writing the song, the whole thing fleshed out the way I want it to be. And I have that idea in my head and it just, it all kind of comes at once when I get them, you know, when I do get those songs, I just somehow and it's crazy, right? Cause it's something you've obviously never heard. It's a completely new original idea, but somehow it's like this fully fleshed out thing. It just feels like it's handed to you, which is kind of a crazy, <laughs> crazy thing our minds can do creatively to be able to something we've never had before, just kind of, have this whole idea and be like, here's this. And I feel like I just have to capitalize on that any chance I get. Cause that's, that's where my songwriting is. Right. And I think, I think the main, it's weird because I'll, uh, I'll have to, so there's, there's certain things where you, you can leave off. I don't know if, I don't know if this is the same for you, but let's say we're sitting down watching Netflix or whatever. And I like coming up with something just getting the 10 seconds that could be all you need. And then you come back to it later. It's like, you got to get it down there. Even if it's just the 10 second hook, you yeah. can kind of already know in the back of your mind, all right, this is where it's going to go. I just have to get this down now. So I don't forget. Cause I mean, yeah. you're probably like me, you have probably thousands of uh, voice memo and 90 something percent of them probably don't go anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> but you got to get them down. Yeah. Because some, you never know. Yeah. You never know which one's going to turn into a song that you really end up being proud of and loving and being like, I I'm really glad that I wrote this song. Cause you know, I do have like, like you said, uh, you know, I think for every, for every successful song I have that has become a fully fleshed out song and I finished and I'm happy with, there was probably like <laughs> 10 to 20 songs that are completely awful. 
that I tried to write <laughs> were not good songs at all. But you know, it's it's a very trial and error process. Sometimes you sit down and you're trying to write, and you think it, you think at the moment you're like, oh, this is great, and then I, you know, sometimes I can't finish it, or sometimes I do, and then I'm like, actually, that's not great. I don't know why. Do why I thought that. Do you have moments where you'll get something down and you'll come back to it like six or 12 months later and it turns into something? I have never had that experience. It's a crazy thing. Cause it's I've pretty cool when it happens, oh, man, I yeah. hope it happens. Cause I've got a lot of like really half finished songs that I think are really good, but then like, I just can't finish them for whatever reason. Try, it, never... try it like, try it like this. Just do a 15 second bit and let it set. So if you get like, if you're, I don't know if you're like practicing scales on piano or just going through yeah. your routine, if you hear something, just have your phone there and then just like, I mean, if it turns into something in the moment, great, but just put it down and then it doesn't happen often with me, but when it has happened, it's pretty interesting because it, it does turn into something. Yeah, I'll have to try that because I've never, I've never gotten that situation where I've written part of it. You know, it's always been written completely all at once, the song for me. Oh, that's good, the only man. Time back at all is I added a verse to one song one time because my, me and my band were playing through it and they were like, what do you think if we like had another verse here? So we kind of, it was something for the dynamics. And I was like, I guess I could write another verse. So I went home and wrote another verse. And that was the only time that's like, right. I've ever been able to add to or change a song really after. What? What what's your uh what's your lyric creative process as far as because I think I would say the hardest thing for me I mean I mean this is like after writing for over a decade now it's just getting the words the right words to fit because I'm a I'm a big cadence guy big big cadence rhythmic guy. I'll yeah. write the melody and the syllables before the words. Very, very often that that's what will happen. And then you got to find it's, it's like puzzle pieces. You got to find those syllables and that sonic, you know, sibilance or just words that tell a story, but also work musically. I don't know if you kind of go that way as well, but I'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah, no, I absolutely do. And lyrics have always been the hardest part for me. Hands down of writing a song is getting the right words that feel that feel good with the song and feel like they fit it, you know? Fit the, you know, the word you use, cadence, is because that's such a thing that rings in the back of my head when I'm writing right. these songs. I want the words to match the melody and match the feeling and the mood. I want it to all come together. And that's the, that's the part that is hard for me to figure out when I'm writing is the lyrics. That's the part that comes to me kind of muddy. Like a lot of times the music is all there, but sometimes the lyrics I kind of have to work at to find what words are going to fit and where they're going to be. Um, and it's, it's made even harder by me because I have never been able to write a song um, that has not been autobiographical. All my songs are songs that I wrote, a, you know, about a feeling that I had and about events in my life. And they're all 100% true, you know, right. obviously creative additives to the, to the songs, but, but everything has been autobiographical. So I've never written, like, I've seen a lot of songwriters that I really admire, like uh, Ben Gabbard, who uh, is the singer for Death Cab for Cutie. And um, Ben Gibbard basically does these songs. A lot of times they have nothing to do with him. He'll write songs about like just a person he creates in his head. And it's a completely false storyline. He just does it that way. And I've never been able to do that. It's always had, had to be relevant to me 
and had to be something that I was going through. So that even harder because then the lyrics have to, because the lyrics for me have to be true too. They have to like actually be, you know, exactly what I'm feeling and going through. So then it's not only have to rhyme and stuff, but they have to tell this cohesive story that is actually happening. So it's, (laughs) it's very, I've got a very like narrow box to work with. It feels like sometimes because that is how my songwriting process is. No, I can relate, man. Could totally identify. And it's, um, it's, it's funny because a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I put out last year was more kind of like melancholic for whatever reason. Yeah. It's kind of strange because actually, no, it's not strange. No, there, there's a reason why. Anyway, we won't get into that, but, um, and I've still kind of been dealing with some of those feelings, but I've just been so bored of it. It's almost like, man, I just, I just kind of want to rock out. You know what I mean? So yeah. now it's like all the stuff that I'm writing right now in this phase is like, you know what? If it's not like, if I can't write the thing in less than 10 minutes and it's the most basic thing, it's like, you just go through phases. I, I, have you gone through any of those phases? As It's like, if it's, I'm going to keep it really simple this time. Or no, I'm really going to stretch the envelope, really going to push the envelope. All right. I'm going to three chords. That's it. Three chords. Do you ever like play games with that? Yeah, I do. Sometimes, sometimes when I'm, when I'm hitting those moments where I feel really inspired and I know I can write a song, I'll sit down and like right before I try, I'm like, okay, you know, I know I'm feeling it right now. I know I can write a song, but I sometimes try to will myself into like, what kind of song do I want to write? I'm like, I want to write, an energetic song, you know, right. I want this to be kind of have really cool guitars going on and I want it to be fast paced. And so there are sometimes I sit down like that and really have to kind of try to will myself to <laughs> capture a certain emotion or type of song. And you said it's like, you're getting a, you're, you're some, the, the forces are giving you a gift and it's a great, it's a very eloquent way to put it. And I would say it's very similar for me as well. Uh, when does it feel like the thing is writing itself do you feel that way too definitely uh, most of the time i do sometimes you know sometimes you hit a roadblock with a song and then right. you really got for it but a yeah. lot of times i do hit those moments and i just get those songs initially it feels like it is writing itself a lot of times and it's just really exciting because it feels like it almost feels like did you see have you ever seen the movie uh, yesterday that came out was that uh the beatles yeah, it was the Beatles so, movie. I don't think I saw it, but I heard yeah. it was it was really good. It was, and the whole premise was basically this guy, something happened, and everybody in the world forgot that the Beatles were a thing. Nobody could remember any Beatles songs except this one guy, and he remembers all the songs, and he's a musician, singer-songwriter who's never made it, and he just starts using the Beatles songs as his own, and he becomes a superstar. But he's kind of... <laughs> I got to see this, man. Songs. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, just the, he's like, you know, the songs kind of feel like they write themselves, but like, it really does feel like that sometimes, you know, you really do feel like sometimes you're just kind of falling along and you're just trying to keep up. It's almost like reading a book or something, you know, it's like, all right, I can see where this is going and you just feel like you're kind of along for the ride. Right. By the it, but by the end of it, you know, you worked hard because you look down and it's been, you know, sometimes it's been five or six hours. <laughs> I, and I like, yeah, really and I almost feel like, and this is really, I don't know if I've had anybody on where we've gotten this detailed into songwriting. This is really cool. Yeah. And we've had a lot of people on. Um, I can't, I can't remember, I can't remember getting this much into detail. 
And I'll even take it a step further by saying that I almost feel like the bridge, if you go about writing a bridge, and I've, I've done a lot of bridges in the last few years. I used to kind of like not – the bridge was more like a guitar solo section. It was right. like the same as the chorus or whatever or the verse. Nowadays, I really do more of that tighter, you know, A, B, A, B, C, B, B type format. And the bridge is like the only thing that you really have. And I don't even know if this is true, but it's the only thing that I feel like you kind of can get weird with. You can really get creative with because the other parts of the song, it's like, no, not going to work. Not strong enough. Not strong enough. Not, no, not hooky enough. No, it doesn't go with the verse. No, it's got to, no, it's got to go up. The vocals got to go up here. But the bridge is like, ah, let's screw it up a little bit. And it's still yeah. relevant. Like, it still works. Yeah, no, I absolutely feel that. Because a lot of times, I think that's, that's the cool thing about having a bridge in a song a lot of times, is it gives you an opportunity to get a new idea in there. And right. I feel like go in a new direction sometimes. Like, an example for Just Tonight, which is my most recent song that came out a couple months ago the end of it's completely different. It's, there's like a little break and then it comes back in and there's a time, time signature change, tempo change. It's like a completely different song on the end and that's the bridge on the end of the song. Cool. And so I think that's really cool. It's a really cool way that you can kind of, in, I think, reinvigorate a song with a bridge where it's kind of an exciting thing where it doesn't have to be like all the other, I totally feel that, where it doesn't have to feel as, you know, conformed as all the other sections because I feel like the verse, pre-chorus, chorus those kind of always have to they have to be in line with each other but sometimes you can kind of inject that new idea via the bridge which is really i think an exciting thing about writing a bridge did you ever get into the police at all oh yeah i love the police love the police so uh what is it i think it's every breath you take that's a weird arrangement because it's i don't think there's a verse it's like chorus. It's like <laughs> intro chorus, and then it goes to the bridge. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, I can't sing that high, but um, it's yeah. I remember reading an article about that. And I was like, yeah, I never thought about that. Like, there's literally no verse in every breath you take. It's just a chorus, and then kind of like a pre-chorus thing. Oh, can't you see you? But it's like the it's like a post chorus. Yeah, that's not really a verse, you know. And then it goes yeah. to the since you're gone. It go, kind of does like that key change, weird circular fifth thing. Oh, I, I totally agree. And I yeah. think a lot of songs are actually like that. I mean, everything, every little thing she does is magic. That song has like I feel like a bunch of different songs inside of it, basically. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. It's totally different. Like the verse and the chorus of that song are completely different, and the outro is like a whole other thing. It's I mean, a lot of, I mean, Sting's a, Sting's a great writer, oh but my he, God. Does of, he does a lot of really interesting choices in his songwriting, for did sure. You ever get, did you ever get to see them live? No, oh, I'd love to, but no. Yeah, I, uh, I was a police fanatic, and still am, but like when I was in middle school, I literally would set up my drums the exact way that Stuart Copeland had them set up, and I, like, <laughs> he got me into like traditional grip and all this stuff, and uh-huh. like just huge, 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 huge. Stuart Copeland fanboy and um then obviously became a police guy because of Stuart Copeland and um got to see them live it was 07 
Uh, yeah, their their last tour that they did. I mean, at this point, it probably will be their last tour. Um, there were rumors that they were going to do another one, but after everything that's going on now, I don't know. Um, yeah. but it was just like it was just unbelievable to to just be there, and it's like you see one of those power trios like that, and the sound out of three people. And yeah, it's like, yeah, there's only three instruments and Sting singing and a couple of backup vocals here and there from Stuart and Andy. But man, like that, ah, God, like the, the cohesiveness, you know, like yeah, those three musicians that just, oh, so good. So good. I feel like there's very few bands that can do that with like a trio and project such a sound. You know, the police is one of them. Uh, Rush is another one. I saw Rush too. Yeah. And thank oh, God man. I saw them when <laughs> I did. Yeah. That, and that was, that was, that's another crazy story. Um, I won't go into detail on it. Just as it's like, I've already told the story on the podcast, but um, saw them really good. And yeah, no dude, like, all you know, I was inspired by a lot of those trio guys like Stevie Ray Vaughan, Hendrix, Cream, uh, Grand Funk Railroad. You know, yeah, so many, so many great ones. And even more, even more recently, uh, kind of calling back to earlier in the in the conversation, uh, Green Day too is another one that a lot yeah. of their songs. <laughs> and John <laughs> <You> Mayer, <laughs> when he was doing yeah. his JMT stuff, that was great. Pino Palladino yeah. and uh, Steve Jordan. Yeah, that's I love the John Mayer trio. Them I did get to see live. I saw John Mayer live. Oh, on cool man! So good, and that was they brought back the John Mayer trio for part of the set, and that was so cool to see them jamming. We we saw when oh wait, I think I saw them on the same tour as you. Yeah, you might have. It was the Search for Everything tour. So yeah. it was right after. Did you I see? Did you see him at Walnut Creek? No, I saw him here in Charlotte. He okay. came to. A, I think it's now maybe PNC Pavilion, but it used to be Verizon Wireless Amphitheater. In Charlotte? Yeah, in Charlotte. So there's two PNCs now, because there's, the, <laughs> there's the PNC in Raleigh. That's, that's hilarious. Now it's a PNC or something. It changed names recently. So I, I guess there's two PNCs now. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, or maybe there's not. Maybe they changed PNC to different names It's so, so tough, man. So many venues that I've gone to over the years changed names yeah. so quickly. Yeah. A strange uh, hey, we actually saw the police in Charlotte. Oh, wow. Yeah, at the uh, Bobcat Arena or whatever. You guys yeah, got like yeah. a, I don't know, I don't know what it was. it was like, or maybe it was the Charlotte Hornets or. Yeah, it might have been I, Spectrum too. They might have renamed it since then. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a long, it was in 08. So it was, a, it was a while back. Um, so let's get into so education for you. We'll kind of shift gears for a little bit. I thought this was interesting. Uh, talk a little bit about that, like college years and how that maybe pertains to a certain degree to, to the music side of things. Yeah, well, I um, so I'm a I'm a I'm a piano teacher and vocal teacher by day. Oh, cool, man. <laughs> singer awesome. songwriter, a warrior by night. But uh, you know, I started off. Uh, doing that right out of college i basically was teaching piano and vocal lessons to uh pay the bills and still am in a large way because i'm i'm one of those musicians who still still got to have a day job i haven't been able to uh to do it full time i'm trying to make the transition but as i'm sure you know it's a lot of work to 
get to the point where you can do it full time and be naked. Never ends, man. Be supporting Never yourself. Ends. I still, I still do that. And it's a great job. I definitely love teaching, but, um, I was going to college originally. I taught for a couple of years coming out of college and just gone to community college, taking some classes and decided I was going to go to UNCG university of, uh, North Carolina at Greensboro. Yeah. I, uh, I went for one semester only. I went to uh, <laughs> get a high school history education degree because history had always kind of interested me. And um, I got there and kind of had, I, wow, I don't think I've ever talked about this before, like <laughs> as, a, a, as a singer songwriter, but kind of had like a little bit of a mental breakdown. I had a, like a, you know, identity crisis, yeah. in, you know, when I was like 19, 19 and a half, 20. Good times. Fun yeah, times. Good time. <laughs> College, the golden years. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, for a lot of people, people love college, a lot of people, but I went and it was not a good experience for me because I kind of had a moment of like, what am I doing here? And, you know, right. I knew music was my passion, but uh, I wasn't really, uh, you know, I was a very shy and reserved kid. I didn't really come into my own until my early 20s and really, I think, get comfortable with who I am and confident in who I was. You know, it took me a while to get there. Um, kind of a late bloomer on that. But, uh, I was going to school and kind of had a breakdown about it. And was like, I don't know why I'm going here. And, you know, I really did enjoy, I was te- at the time I'd been teaching beforehand and I really enjoyed that. And, uh, also it's funny. I was talking, talking with my, uh, one of my parents, I think earlier today about this, actually, I had a conversation with them was saying how, you know, I feel like college is so much filler stuff that you're not going to use. Cause you know, you have to go to college and get the degree when you're getting the degree. Anyways, they make you take all these courses that are a lot of times completely irrelevant to the, <laughs> to the major you're getting. Yeah. And that drove me crazy when I was there taking all these gen ed classes that felt like, felt like repeats of high school to me. And I was right. kind of like, man, what does this have to do with being a teacher? <laughs> I was like, none of this is going to be relevant to the job that I'm trying to, the you know, career path I'm trying to take right. here. Right. So kind of a lot of that drove me crazy. And I felt like it just wasn't, it wasn't a good place for me. College is great for a lot of people. And you know, a lot of people go there and get degrees and find great jobs from it. And they're happy with that career path. But for me, it wasn't, it wasn't the path I wanted to be on and didn't feel like a genuine, genuine path to me for what I wanted to do. So I realized that luckily quickly and kind of came back to teaching full time and, you know, was able to, Luckily, not gone long enough that I couldn't recuperate my uh, <laughs> my students and get back and get sure. right back teaching. So I was lucky in that sense. But yeah, for me, it was not a good time. And I actually, you know, wrote multiple songs. One of the songs off my EP is called Suspension. That song is about that whole experience of going to college and realizing, you know, a traditional a traditional educational path like that was not for me. And I was kind of going to be one of those people that was just going to find their own way in the world. I can relate, man. Went through the same thing. And like we were talking about earlier, went through a gap year and just played shows from 18 to yeah. 19 at all the colleges <laughs> in, 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 in the triangle, which is hilarious. And if you see, yeah. the, um, if you see the, the LSDJ episode, it's way back. It was like, I think it was like number nine or something, like way, way, way back last year. He's one of the first ones on. My good friend, Drew Ryan, um, with AR Entertainment, before he founded AR Entertainment, we were so he was like a freshman and sophomore at UNC, and I didn't start my college courses yet. I was like playing shows, so he was like setting up 
his little sound gear equipment at the time. Now he's got a freaking warehouse full of stuff. Uh, but that's how we met was through that circuit. And then, yeah, I did my, I did my whole career college wise thus far. I'll probably go back for something later on, but, uh, it was all online, all online. I, I did not feel comfortable. Um, I, I didn't feel comfortable with trying to, you know, juggle and do the, um, the, the on-campus thing. It just didn't yeah. make any sense. I wanted to work. I wanted to continue to move with the career and, you know, mentors just steer me in that direction. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's hard being a creative person being in that kind of situation because I think a lot of times we think of things in such an outside of the box kind of way. A lot of times it's hard to be hard to be in such a, you know, rigid structure, which college right. kind of is. You go to every day is the same. You go to class at this certain time and you got tests and homework due at this time. And it's just very, it's very regimented. And for me, I'd also, I was also homeschooled growing up. So that was totally different because <laughs> being homeschooled, you're just in a completely different kind of headspace for learning than uh, going to public school. I think it's a completely different kind of way of looking at learning. Yeah. I was homeschooled for eight years, man. Yeah. Yep. So you get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Different. So, uh, and you know, there's, uh, and I did the private school thing for a couple of years and I went to high school for public, I wanted the high school experience and that was interesting. Um, yeah. you know, it was like, whatever, but, uh, yeah, it's so same thing really. And that's, I think why we click on a lot of ways, a lot of similarities. Um, well, let, let's go, let's go down to this for a second. Let's talk about best and worst show experiences for you as far as, um, I mean, you know, one of each, if you could think of them off the top of your head, if you don't want to use any names, you don't have to, but yeah, you yeah. hear a couple of good stories. If you have them, I'm sure you yeah, do. Yeah. Um, man, I might have to, I'm going to have to do the worst one second. I'm trying to think. I haven't <laughs> had like, I haven't had a lot of bad experiences at shows. So that's, you know, that's, I that's mean, good. honestly, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky in that way. Cause I played a lot of shows. So for none of them to have gone like horribly wrong, I'm very lucky. <laughs> hopefully hopefully i can continue that streak um <laughs> but i mean you know i mean worst shows are probably just shows where where i felt like i had a bad performance because as a musician you always want to do your best so if you feel like you've made a couple mistakes even if people aren't super super aware of it you know i know one show i had i played at this small music festival in uh North Carolina and basically i got so nervous on one song for some reason i completely lost my train of thought halfway through the song and there were like friends and fans there singing the lyrics. And I forgot the lyrics. I blanked on my own lyrics to my own song that I wrote. And I was oh like, God. hey, sorry. I was like, I got to start the song over because I don't even know. Like, I was like, I just blacked out. So I, I had to go and restart the song. That was probably like the worst just because I felt so like weird that I forgot my own lyrics, you know? That, I think that's actually happened to me before where like we had to with the band like i just I was like dude what in the world we just kept looping the intro and then it was like oh all right now i got it and it always, it's always that first you get the first word you're good yeah exactly like i came in i came in on like the second verse and i couldn't get the first word of the second verse and so yeah hey i'm not gonna get it i gotta start over guys <laughs> which is a weird thing to do in front of an audience so like that's it that happens man it it happens and all you can do is just like yeah 
kind of yeah. roll with it, make a joke about it. It's tough to it's tough to pick a best, but um, I feel like the best one is probably I played a house show um, a couple of years ago. I think I might have been in high school still, maybe just started college, and I played this house show that um, was just a couple. Uh, There's probably like twenty five to thirty people hanging out. It was just kind of a party, and a couple of local singer songwriters were all playing there, and I was one of them. And just like a lot of people I didn't know, but they all knew the lyrics to all my songs. And that was so cool. And everybody sang along like the entire set that I played, like the entire 20 minute, 30 minute set, everybody sang like every word of my songs. And that was so cool wow. that people knew them. And that was just such a humbling moment to be like, man, that's so awesome that people yeah. were so into it. So, you know, it's, it's awesome when you get to share that kind of thing with the crowd or the audience. It's just nothing like it. So that was, that was an amazing experience. So gear for you, um, any, any favorite pieces as far as, uh, cause you're doing, when you're live, I'm assuming you're on piano and, and singing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of a weird thing as a piano player because right. obviously you always long for a real piano. There's no, there's no right. substitute for like having a real piano, but at shows a lot of times, you know, as a traveling musician, you got to bring a keyboard. So it's, uh, it's, it's tough to find a good keyboard, man. Cause like, I feel like there's a lot of good guitars out there, but to find a really good keyboard is difficult. One that plays like a piano and feels like as close to a piano as you can get without being one. And, uh, for me, it's Yamaha. Yamaha makes the best keyboards in my opinion. So if you're trying to sponsor me, Yamaha, if you see this, <laughs> I grew up, I grew up on Yamaha. I recently went over to the Roland world. Um, really no reason other than it was just more compact and I like the low end on it. Yeah. Um, Roland's great too. I used to have a phantom a Roland phantom. Those, oh, are yeah, awesome. yeah. Those are sick. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been on keys, believe it or not. I started on keys first when I was like two. So I was like a freaking toddler, but I hated it. And then, drums took over my life and then guitars and all that. But, uh, recently in quarantine, cause I did like, I did a couple of jazz piano, um, or for a couple of years, I did some jazz piano lessons on and off in high school. We didn't really stick with it. I knew the theory behind it, but it just didn't, you know, it just didn't get it under my fingers and still don't right. have it under my fingers. But recently I've been working on it and it's, let me tell you, man, I, I tip my hat off to any really competent piano player like yourself. I mean, it's just, it, it's just a, it's a brain finagling and wiring thing that you've got to really like turn off your brain when you're trying to get both hands together on certain lines. If you're trying to do like bass stuff with the left and chords and soloing on the right, it's, it'll, it, it'll really throw you for, for a ringer. Yeah, it can be it can be a tough thing to do for sure. I've always felt the same way about guitar though. I've never cuz I tried to pick up guitar in high school. I really did try. I sat down and practiced a lot and I just was not good. I've at heard it. this before with people where guitar is like really difficult and yeah. I'm like to me it doesn't make any sense. It's like <laughs> it's it's all the same thing. It's like this is just one hand and you're getting instantaneous you you're connecting. This to me is not connect. I mean, you got to connect, but it's there's such a, a diversity between what's going on, and certain fingers are down when other fingers aren't, and that like independence thing. And drums is fine. That's like four limbs, but we're talking about ten 
phalanges, like 10 <laughs> and, and the nerves, like certain fingers won't, you, you know what I mean? Like it's just, God, I don't know. It's always been more difficult for me. Yeah. But I've always, it's funny you say that. Cause I've always kind of looked at like people who are really good at guitar that same way, because I'm like, man, I, <laughs> I could not figure it out for life. Wow. I can play silly, but that's, I think it was just something connected with the ukulele because there's only four strings. And so I just felt <laughs> like I, I gravitated to that so much easier and I picked it up so much easier, but I was, I was very quick to give up on guitar after like a couple months of trying it and not getting good. Cause I, wow. I was, I was, I was naturally luckily, luckily I was naturally good enough at piano, to just kind of get it and start playing it and get better and better. And right. it was, guitar. I had no natural ability at it. And it was really, my brain had a hard time like connecting the shapes and playing at the same time. So, you know, I, I've always thought guitar is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny um because it's not the first time i've heard that and i've heard yeah. show, it's a theme on this show like guitar versus piano and like piano players trying to learn guitar and guitar players trying to learn piano um yeah and i recently i've been doing a lot of and i've always been in the blues world so uh i don't know the theory behind it. i know all the notes but just again like fingerings scales and yeah like once i found f in blues on piano it's like all right this is great like f <laughs> c count me in um working on e working on d working on g um i'll start doing like flat keys in a little bit but that's at least where i can sit there and jump around a little bit with the left hand hit some bass notes with the pinky, come back and grab kind of like the, um, dare I say art Tatum style. I can't, <laughs> I can't do that at all, but like maybe a little bit more of the Thelonious Monk kind of trashy. Yeah. You know, throw some garbage chords in there, hit some, and that's <laughs> like when you watch videos of him, it's like, dude, his technique is crap, but that's why it sounds so good is because you can't, you can't like do that unless you're sitting there like throwing your hand on certain chords. You know, I, I love that type yeah. of playing. Yeah, no, it's, um, it, it's a strange thing. Cause it's piano is definitely, I think theory is pretty difficult on piano. It's, it's easy to understand because everything is so linear in piano. Cause it's all lined yeah. up, you know, yeah, like EFG, ABCD, EFG, which is nice. Cause you got everything in such a linear. That's why guitar, I think was so hard for me. Cause it's like, this doesn't make any sense. I was like, right. this is an alpha at all so you really gotta gotta think of it in a different guitars way guitars are guitar is pattern oriented very very pattern oriented where piano is more um like if you start on the wrong finger you're really you're gonna screw up where with guitar yeah. it's like the pattern you have to have the right finger fingering for the pattern and it's it's pattern oriented yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it is, diff it is different in that sense. It's also kind of strange because piano is such a linear thing, but also it's But still it's not to me. It, in some ways it's not because the shapes are different. Like you can play yeah. the same scale. You can play the same uh, scale on guitar and just shift. And then you're changing keys where piano, you got to change fingerings. You got to change. Yeah, and, you do it entirely. And the sharps flat there it's completely different yeah so it's, and it's like that to me was always kind of a downside to the instrument but now i don't know like it's you just have it's repetition over and over and over again and then your hand just kind of goes to where it's gonna go you know biggest thing again yeah. is like that left hand getting that left hand doing those chord changes 
and some inversions are better than others. You don't have to move as much, you know, and then the left hand doesn't have to move around. But I don't know, man. It's uh, – and then reading a double staff, like, kill me now. <laughs> like, just please. Like, no. It's a lot. I mean, I, I just say it to my students a lot of times. I say it's it, – you know, piano's hard because you're, you're doing, like, playing – you're playing, like, two instruments at once, basically, because you're doing, you know, what you got going on uh, in the left hand. You're either playing bass, you know, bass notes or you're playing chords, sometimes bass lines if you're getting complicated, and then you're doing melody in your right hand or you're doing some kind of accompaniment. There's always a lot going on. So to read both and have both, you know, when you're reading it and going across and you're reading both, both clefs at the same time, it definitely can be a lot to handle. Yeah. Did you ever get into like Rayman Zarek stuff at all, like the doors and – Okay. I mean, I, I definitely listened to The Doors, but definitely not. I didn't get heavy into the uh, – although I, I will say I watched a documentary on The Doors, and they talked about his playing, which I thought was super cool yeah. because he basically didn't have a bass player right. most of the time. So he would play the bass and the keyboard part at the same time using his left hand. He'd play the bass, which I thought was super cool. Yeah, it's, it's tough, at least for me because yeah. I'm still – and, and it's weird, like, you just go, you have to slow, and the piano's like one of those instruments where you really have to slow it down. Like, you really have to slow it down to get those hands together, and, um, or you have to practice them separately and then try and join them to get together. So, uh, yeah, man, like, I have such an appreciation for that kind of, like, walking bass line with the left hand and being yeah. able to solo on top of the right. Or if you're going to do chords, like do some chords, but keep some rhythm going between pinky to thumb and kind of play around a little bit. And the other thing that I've noticed is swinging is a lot more fun to me on piano. Like I would much rather play shuffle music on a piano than guitar or drums. You know, and it's kind of because I don't know, like the fingering, especially with blues, it's a little bit more triplet esque. Yeah. Than eighth and sixteenth. Like some of those fingerings where you start with like the, the pointer or the middle and you kind of cross over and you're doing those crossovers with the pentatonic and the flat five. It's like, oh, now I know why a lot of those blues songs were more shuffle perhaps was you know bop 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 but like that started before it was guitar it really was kind of like more of that 50s um uh, what's his name little richard stuff yeah you know and he just passed away yeah crazy isn't it Dude, what in the world man every girl and jerry jerry uh seinfeld not that the he's jerry music related yeah um or, i'm sorry jerry, what what's his name the dad's name his dad. Oh, no, yeah. No, yeah, Stiller. I know. I'm sorry. Jerry Stiller. Okay. The, the, okay. Guy, from, the guy from King of Queens, the, the old guy. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Ben gotcha. Stiller's dad. I was, like, I was like, I can't believe I haven't heard Jerry Seinfeld pass. No, 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 no. no. Fake news. Wow. My bad. <laughs> Jerry Stiller. My bad. No, it was, yeah, Ben Stiller's dad. Um, yeah. Anyway, like this week, icon. just a lot of, lot of, lot of great, talented people are not with us anymore 
Yeah, yeah. and that's feel like, I feel like over the past couple of years, a lot of just iconic, legendary musicians have passed away, and it's been a strange time to see them go. You know, like Bill Withers. I mean, to me, yeah, you know, Bill Withers my, too, man. Yeah, playing and such a strange thing to see people who had you know you don't know these people and you never met them, but they they still had such an impact on your life through their music and art, and it's a strange thing to see so many people being being taken away like that. It's a it's a strange time to grow up and see people who you kind of idolized either musically or in whatever way um, cease to be. It's a strange, strange emotion. Did you, did you ever get into Billy Joel? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Elton John. And yeah. I'm I love, sure Freddie, been, well, you I, said queen earlier, right? So Freddie Mercury as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love Elton John and Billy Joel though. I've, especially Elton John. I've always been, I love them both, but I've always been more of an Elton John fan. I okay. always liked him and his style of playing and singing better. I actually saw him live uh, a couple of years ago in Greensboro. Um, he came around and it was, it was awesome. I wish, I still wish I could have seen him, you know, back in his heyday. Cause he's so good now, but like, you know, he's had to have throat surgery and stuff and he's obviously been doing it for such a long time. It's, it's a different show than when you watch documentaries of him and stuff back in the day and he's jumping all over the place. And you know, it's a real, it's a real performance back then, you know, stuff yeah. you can't do when you get to a certain, <laughs> you pass a certain age right. and it's like, you know, sit and play and he's still phenomenal, but it's like, it's, it is always, it always, I always long to see bands in their heyday like that. And it's always when, for someone like me who likes a lot of old music and a lot of classic rock and stuff, when I go see bands, I'm like, man, I wish I could have seen them back when they were just like, you know, just coming out. That would have been such a cool thing. I, I've always been more on the Billy Joel side only because that was just how I was raised. Like my parents are from New York and whole family's yeah. from the Northeast. So, and that, that's a crazy thing is like, I was, Dude, crazy, crazy story. And I don't think I've told it on the podcast. Yeah. Still can't believe this. Still cannot believe this. And yeah, like this is nuts. And it's a very, very funny story. I'm going to leave some details out because it's just, <laughs> I don't want to like turn it into a 20 minute monologue. But I was in Memphis, um, met up with this girl, and I'm still in contact with her. She's really, she's pretty cool. But we like went on this weird, we were just screwing around on Tinder at the time. One of my friends got me a Tinder account and he's like, you're going to, you're just going to like, go, go talk to people on Tinder. I was like, all right, whatever. So, um, I was just bored, was there for a set. They're shooting something at the time and, um, met up with this girl and <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway, we're talking about music. And uh, we were just talking, you know, whatever, like rock and blues and everything and Southern stuff. Because she's like from Arkansas or whatever. And, um, and or was she, I don't know where she was from, Arkansas, Mississippi. I think it was Mississippi, because Mississippi, that's like, that touches right where Memphis is at. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, Billy Joel, like great, great song. And she's like, who's Billy Joel? <laughs> and I'm like, wait what and she's like no seriously who's Bill, who is that I'm like what wait what oh so that was and that was a crazy thing that i learned was like there's a lot of people in the south like that don't really know billy joel's music but you go up into the northeast and jc pennies and perkins and whatever like they're all playing billy joel 
It's so weird. That's so strange to me. Dude, I feel like crazy. He's so iconic. You feel like I know. Like, how do you not know piano? How man? do you like, not know who not Billy feeling- Joel is? I know, I know. And if she ever sees yeah. us, she probably will because we're still in contact on Instagram. I'm like, sorry, I'm bashing you, but it's just so funny, man. It's, so it's funny. Not, not really bashing if you don't use a name because then nobody, you know, nobody ever. Yeah, knows. but she knows. She knows. Yeah, she knows. <laughs> if she if she remembers that conversation. But uh, no, it was just it was hilarious, man. Hilarious. I did go on. Yeah, there's definitely not the same kind of loyalty here because I. It's funny you mentioned that because like I went on a date one time with a girl who hated <laughs> Like she thought he was awful. She was a singer too, and I remember we were talking about music on this date, and I was she was I was, said something about Billy Joel or Elton John. And she's like, oh, I can't stand Billy Joel singing. She's like, that's not singing. And I was like, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that would disagree. Well, would, I mean, couldn't, couldn't the same thing be said about Elton John in a way? I mean, yeah, certainly. I mean, cause, but because they're not singers. They're not technically singers, but they sing and they sing damn well for what they do. Yeah, totally. You know, and it's I, you know, I think I think that's that's such a I don't know. It's like where do you draw the line where something's right. singing or not? But I, I think that you know anybody who's I I'd argue even Bob Dylan is singing. So <laughs> you know, I mean, people. Yeah, you know, whether you want to listen to it for hours on end or not, that's something else. But yeah, yeah. but you know, I think, I don't think it has to sound like it doesn't have to be super polished or anything like that. No. You know, I'm now I'm I'm also in that camp of that same kind of singer as like Elton John or Billy Joel, where I'm. You know, I'm a singer like they are, but I'm definitely not some kind of Kelly Clarkson type singer who's just going right. to hit these crazy notes and stuff all the time. In my songs, that's just not my style of singing. And that's, you know, but that's a different kind. It's a different kind of songwriting and performing than than that. And I think I think so much of it has to do with the voice and the genre as well. And yeah, you know, Lemmy. When I got into Motorhead stuff, which was really like I got heavy into the discography right after he passed away, and I don't know, are you much of a Motorhead guy? I can't say that I am. So. Okay, I know of them, but you know, I don't. All right, listen. so I'll send you a couple of links, and you'll know what I'm talking about after yeah. this interview's done with. Um, but Lemmy is probably one of the grainiest. They used to call him the voice of broken glass because it's just like, uh, I mean, have you heard of Ace of Spades? That that song, da 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 da, da, da. Ace of yeah. Spades. Yes. <laughs> you know, I can't even, like do it right. So that type of like, but damn, what I mean, what a vocalist, what a performer, what a, a the songs like you go through their discography and it's like this guy probably had one of the worst best voices ever you know because he holds pitch he does his thing it's iconic as hell you know it's him immediately and it's like that and it sold records it's just it's about the characterization it's about the conviction yeah and, and sometimes uh, it's something yeah. that's cool to have that you know to have that different unique kind of voice i feel the same thing you said like the voice of broken glass i feel like it's the same thing of like i hear tom waits and i kind of think that but i love tom waits like yeah. i love some Tom Waits songs. I think they're so good. Or Leonard Cohen, you know, yeah. there's people who have super gravelly voices like that. I mean, Eddie Betters. <laughs> that's a great oh, example. Yeah, man. And, 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 and I hear so many times people like, Oh, Eddie Vedder, like he's pitchy and oh, yeah, yeah, all this crap. And you know, um, the, there's those memes that always go around. I mean, it's true. Cause it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, 
All right, but still, but still, it's sold. Yeah. I mean, not not right. saying that it's selling is what matters, but I mean, it resonated with a lot of people. Yeah, and I I, I like Pearl Jam. I like. A oh lot of this yeah. Stuff. It's definitely a different style of singing, but hey, it's unique and it's kind of cool. And it's like, you know, so, you know, not everybody's going to be perfect or on pitch every time, but sometimes it's better to have a unique sound and have your own voice, even if it's not, you know, even if it's not as polished and fine tuned. Sometimes I think there's something to be said about just having your own voice and letting your own unique take on singing be there. Cause that's, that's what makes you an artist is having your own flavor to everything. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. Well, I, this is good stuff. I, moving on to like future plans for you and what's going on. Yeah. What do you think is going on? Oh my gosh, man! It's this whole this whole COVID nineteen thing has just flipped the entire world on its on its head. So it's hard to say as far as like we we were talking a little bit before we started recording about shows and stuff and how I just hope that you know, once it's safe, that comes back and that doesn't disappear. It's it's scary with like movie. You know, they're talking about like movie theaters might not be a thing anymore after this you know people are so obviously understandably so wigged out about going anywhere because it's just a scary time but um but i've been i've been doing a lot of like live stream kind of stuff and plan to do a lot more of that while it's going on and still still have new music coming still got some stuff i got a new song coming out next uh next month on june june 5th i don't know when this interview will air but it's coming out june 5th of 20 it'll be it'll be out before that Cool, cool, yeah. But that's yeah. you know, that, I got a new single diving in coming out then, so I'm excited about that, releasing cool. that, you know, and then hopefully soon <laughs> me and my band can get back in the studio and finish up. I wanna I wanna release another EP featuring the two new singles that I've the one that's coming out and the one that came out in December. I wanna finish up the EP, but you know, that's all been put on a temporary stop, of course, because of all the craziness going on. So right. hoping get get back in and start hashing that out and get some new music out hopefully by by next year as well well cool man um i've got the shootout section which i'll say a word and you say a word that's kind of they're always industry related to the guest and uh yeah no no right or wrong answers just kind of yeah i I hope not because oh man spontaneity on the spot here (laughs) Piano. Music. Ukulele. Sound. Song. Writer. That's good. Uh, Live. Show. Vocal mic. Sure. (laughs) There you go. Sure. Plugging them right there. Yeah. Studio. Recording. Pop. Soda. <laughs> I'll get some hate for that one. Oh. Rock. Opera. Whoa. We were talking about Queen and Green Day. It just I, I felt like that's that's at the top of my mind right now. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> uh, arrangement. Peace. Interesting. Riff. Guitar. <laughs> Charlotte. Scene. Pizza. Scene. That's that's what I was thinking in my head. Is one word only. So. <laughs> right. Pizza. Hut. <laughs> Dude, you got some good ones, man. 
You're shaking it up. I guess see, I guess these endorsements, man. I'm really I'm really name dropping a lot of companies and corporations here. Pizza Hut. Watch Pizza Hut be the first one. <laughs> first sponsor. That'd be a bizarre, bizarre sponsor the, for me. The, the, the Kevin Goodwin special. Brought to you by Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza Hut and sure. Dude, I'll be favorite. honest with you. I would take a damn Pizza Hut endorsement before a gear endorsement. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, think about it. Think, I mean, think about it. Like, free pizza? I don't know. Right? That's, that's just kind of how my mind thinks. Write the, write the new jingle or soundtrack for Pizza Hut. You'd be, you'd be set. We, you That'd and be- I, we might have to do a collaboration on this. <laughs> this this may be get, a thing now. We may have to do this. See if we can get free pizza for, right. for a lifetime. <laughs> right. Um, if you go back in time to your 15-year-old self, knowing what you know now, what would you tell them? Um, man, I would just tell myself to be, be more confident in who I am and not let myself be my own worst enemy. Cause I was definitely like that as a kid. I definitely, yeah. uh, I kind of came into being a professional singer songwriter and really taking it seriously and putting out really, you know, solid music that I put a lot of time and effort into producing and everything late compared to a lot of people. Cause I didn't do it until my twenties. And, uh, I'd, I'd always had the passion for it. I'd always written and practiced and wanted it so badly, but I think I, I did that thing that a lot of kids do who are insecure and shy. And, you know, I kind of talked myself down a lot, really kind of always was that I was my own voice in my head saying, you know, uh, are you really ready? Are you really good enough kind of thing? And I wish I had just had a little more, you know, believed in myself a little more and just hmm. pushed through it more earlier on. So that's, that's what I would tell myself is, you know, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. Give your chance, you know, give yourself an opportunity and chances to fail. And don't look at that as the worst thing in the world. Just go out and do it. And, right. you know, go out and live. Don't, <laughs> don't continuously wait and think that tomorrow is going to be the day. You know, today's the day if you make it the day, but you got to go out and you got to seize it and you got to, you got to put in the work and just do it and not, not be so harsh on yourself and just allow yourself to be where you're at and not, uh, not be so, hard on yourself about that carpe diem yeah dude this is great stuff um where can we'll have it in the description box below into the sides but audibly if somebody's driving their car right now and can't read shouldn't be Fair reading enough, yeah um you can uh, check out all my stuff on uh yeah on kevingoodwinmusic.com or, you know, I've got stuff on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere you listen to music, pretty much. You can find my stuff. If you type in Kevin Goodwin, I should be the first thing that comes up. But, yeah, I got all my social media links and everything like that on my website, which is just www.kevingoodwinmusic.com. Awesome, man. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, dude, thanks for having me. I told you, know, we were talking about it earlier, but I found your music and then found the show and I just thought it's such a cool thing. And I really, it's, it's such a cool thing because you're interviewing so many different people from so many different places in the music industry, which is such a cool thing. It's such a cool, comprehensive listening experience, not only for musicians, but for anybody who's interested in music or the music industry. And so I'm just, you know, glad to be a part of it, man. It's, it was a blast and, you know, thanks for having me on. Well, thanks. I appreciate the kind words, and we'll. Uh, I I look forward to whether it's Pizza Hut or not. <laughs> you know, well, th- this is just the beginning. I, I think I think we've we've got some cool things we can 
creatively do together at some point and uh you know just continue to have good vibes yeah well thanks man i i had a great time so i really appreciate it and looking forward to seeing what you got coming out as well cool man well you guys have been watching and listening to the jason amico show definitely check out kevin's information and material and look out for the new music he's got coming down the pipe soon and we will see you all on the next one peace